Welcome to Postscript. My name is Paul Eastwood. I'm the lead pastor here at Compass Point. And joining me today is Dave Severns, our worship pastor. How you doing, bud? This feels strangely backwards, Paul. It I'm is doing backwards. really well. It's backwards and I love it. So uh, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you were preaching on Sunday, which was fantastic mm. and uh, loved hearing from you. So tell us a little bit more about what you were, um, how you went through this passage and, and what, did, what did you come up with? What struck you as you were reading through the book of Ecclesiastes? Yeah. So, I mean, you and I had been talking for a while about this series um, and you were like, hey, why don't you help out and preach some of it? And I was like, oh, okay. I said, I love this. Um, and then I got to prepare. So we we talked about, I mean, this is a hard book because you kind of have to keep the whole thing in mind. So it's hard to pick a passage and not talk about the beginning and the end. So where, where I ended up landing was Ecclesiastes 7 verses uh, 13 to 18, which starts with this, who can straighten what what God has made crooked. Um, yeah, and say that again. So that's a big thing I think that we got to get our minds around because yeah. the, the passage says, who can straighten what he has made crooked? Yeah. And he is referring to God. And we got to pause on that for a second because we think up to ourselves, wait, how does God make things crooked? Mm-hmm. Why would he do that? Yeah, and usually when we talk about crookedness, we're like, well, you know, at best God kind of allows it and we choose it. But but this passage actually, you have to wrestle with the fact that yeah. it says, who can straighten what God has made crooked? Um uh, yeah, and it's it's tough. I mean, you, you have to, you kind of have to stand with the teacher in this and be like, man, life doesn't seem fair. Life is confusing. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense. And as I mentioned, he, he this is actually a repeat of um, chapter one, verse 15, where, where he says like, everything is crooked and he leaves God out entirely. Like it's just hopeless. Um, but here there's this hint of like, I don't quite fully get it, but God is at work. Um, so... Who can straighten what he has made crooked? Um, we, we, we start, as I said on Sunday, we start, we have to recognize that God is in control. We often flip into this, this desire to make things straight, this desire to do things ourselves. And we're, when we do that, we take the place of God. We kind of take the Lord out of his title and we put it on ourselves and we say, I can do this. Yeah. Um, and we, we try to grab control. And then I talked, you know, what, what that looks like, I think, allowing God to be in control is living this life in the middle, which isn't, doesn't mean we're not doing things to, the, to our fullest, but it means we're living between this tension of foolishness and I can do it on my own and then self-righteousness, this idea that if I'm right enough, I understand God's in control, so I need to follow all the rules. And this idea that Christianity, you can get it wrong by being on both sides of things, both doing it all right and doing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. which is just kind of wild. Um, and then that, that ultimately what that leads us to is back to the, the great commandment, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus says. Um, so we need to love everyone always, which is really hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that that can work itself out. One of the questions that came up actually from somebody who was uh, here on Sunday asked the question about uh, what do we do with bad or maybe even more precisely evil leadership you know what do we do with the hitlers of the world or you know when you we take things to the extreme Mm -hmm. um you know how is how does a christian respond in those moments when when there is something that needs to be spoken against uh how do you do that and and yeah yeah and i would again um i would probably look to jesus in this jesus was both wildly indifferent to the politics of his day and somewhat respectful. Uh, you know, render under Caesar what is due to Caesar. He said mm-hmm. about taxes. People were trying to goad him into being anti-government and anti-establishment, um, which he seemed kind of to be, but he wasn't really. He kind of said, no, like, pay your taxes. That's that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, I think it's really helpful to remember um, 
anytime we're talking about leadership and especially political leadership, that this is not what the kingdom of God has in mind. Um, it wasn't the original plan and it's not the last plan. The, we, we believe in a benevolent dictatorship, as you and I have said before. Um, we believe that Jesus is Lord and we are not, uh, and that human leaders to an extent will always fail. The people of Israel um, pleaded with God to give them a king and just said, give us a king, give us a king. And God kind of finally relented and said, I'm going to give you what you want. It's not going to go well. And the history of Israel was that it didn't go well. Um, and they got captured and they got put into captivity. So I think, you know, again, it's it's a little different for us, but it's somewhat the same. We need to engage in our civic responsibilities, understand that um, when we live in democracies, we need to, to engage in those democracies in a helpful way. We need to vote. We need to um, learn about both sides of an issue, but we also need to understand that these systems will never be perfect. Yeah, they can. There's never like, there's actually not an idea of a Christian being in kingship, being in prime ministership, presidentship, um, that looks like the coming kingdom of God, because the coming kingdom of God is only Jesus in that position, yeah. and all of us under Him. Yeah, um, and I, I think you've mentioned as well. I think is really a helpful way of looking at it is that. It is you've talked about this idea of like how do we or or what are we expecting to put in its place? Mm-hmm. And I think there's an element of control there that you've actually outlined to yeah. me before that there's this that control issue when we say, yeah, I don't want this, but I instead I want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know people would say I don't want um, I don't want Justin Trudeau. I want a you know conservative leader, or I don't want that conservative leader. I want this one. And right. even in that, we run into this danger of saying. Well, the world would be such a better place if this happened, which, I mean, may be true. It, it, it may, things may get better, but the question then becomes, where is your hope? Is your hope in the next leader, the better leader, the one who looks more like your ideals and your positions? Yeah. Um, and, and if you're putting too much hope in that, it becomes so easy to vilify and to, and to just kind of get the wrong ideas. When again, all of our hope, all of the control is God's. It's all Jesus. Um, yeah. And, and not that things can't get better, not that we shouldn't engage, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's tricky. I, someone could easily say, well, what about Hitler? I mean, what do you do with, what if you do with an evil, evil, evil person? Um, yeah. How do you respond as a Christian? Uh, and I'm sure Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a great German theologian, thinker, pastor, um, has written a lot about this. He was part of an, an attempt to assassinate Hitler, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, was he wrong? I, no, I actually, I don't think he was. Now, Bonhoeffer wasn't known for shouting loudly about how terrible Hitler was. No. Um, he was known for talking about love and community yeah. and grace. And I think that, that that would be my question to anyone wrestling with this is, sure, you know, engage and, and call out whatever evils you see, but be more about love than mm-hmm. you are against anything. It's interesting. Like Ecclesiastes, it seems to me, reminds us uh, that it, it reminds us that a Hitler is not only possible, it's sort of expected in the sense that in the sense that the, you know, the good guys don't always win and sometimes evil prospers. I I think that Ecclesiastes reminds us not to be surprised as believers when we see leaders who might have a different political agenda or idea than we do. Yeah. And even leaders who fail. Uh, I mean, this week, uh, the leader of uh, Larsh, uh, whose name eludes me at the moment, um, Right, like yeah. just just wonderful saint of a man. Until yeah. it came out this week that he had actually sexually abused a whole bunch of women. Yeah, um, and that is terrible. And I mourn that. And I'm, um, I'm just deeply saddened. Yeah, um, 
And yet the book of Ecclesiastes tells us to remember that like, who, who can straighten what God has made crooked? And, and yeah. we know that, that people are crooked, not to expect that of our leaders, not to justify it in any way. No. We need better. Um, and, and we have systems, I, I think, to, to kind of prevent that. But, but we, we understand that evil is a part of, of human control in yeah. whatever way we have it. I think we can always fight for better, but recognize that what we perceive to be better may not be yeah. <laughs> and, and just, and be okay with that. I think there's a, yeah. you know, an element of the whole that we, we've been going through Ecclesiastes, you know, and this idea of, uh, you know, enjoying the moments that we have and living in that space, recognizing that this is the day that I've got, you yep. know, this is the leader that's responsible for, for what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a, an, an, an older, uh, person in our congregation, who I respect, you know, greatly uh, was involved in our leadership uh, for years. But he said to me one time that I thought was so important. He said, you know, Paul, I know as a as a follower that I don't pray for the pastor that I wish I had. I pray for the pastor that I do have. Oh, man. <laughs> and I thought that was so, so good. good, right? And it reminds us that in even... It reminds us that we shouldn't expect our, pa- our pastor or our leaders to be mm-hmm. perfect. Yep. Uh, we, but at the same time, we do need to bring that before the Lord and, and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of consider all of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. And it, we, again, we, uh, even, even this prayer of come Lord Jesus, which has been a prayer of the church and a call of the church, right? We've, we've awaited the second coming of Jesus where the fullness of the kingdom, which we got a taste of yeah. at the cross and the resurrection kind of comes and there is no more tears and everything is good. Um, and you can, again, this is kind of a live in the middle, live in moderation thing. You can live so far kingdom-minded that you ignore what's going on around you. And that's yeah. not what we're called to as what Christians. Is, what's the old saying? You're, you're so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly no good. No earthly good, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a fair accusation. Yeah. But at the same time, I think sometimes you can flip into the other side and yeah. you can be so much about, oh man, what do we do with this evil leader? How do I engage well? That, you know, Lord have mercy, pray yeah. for them, Lord come. So, so let's let's uh, change direction here slightly, and I want to talk about what does it look like for us. So, mm-hmm. like, what what is this what does this look like played out? Because we can talk about life in the middle theoretically, but yeah. what does it look like for us? Have you seen examples of people who either live in the extremes or live in the middle, who are good examples or, or poor examples in the extremes? That, you know, who are yeah. some people that you can think of or examples? Uh, so, I can think of way more people at the extremes than I can in the middle, because being in the extremes gets you attention. Um, so I know people who have lived in the middle who, who, um, who are unknown and, and who, I mean, you, you probably know a bunch of people at the church who I don't even know who are quiet and who are encouraging and who are thoughtful and who are prayerful, um, who don't make a big deal about things, who, who spend more time just encouraging and coming alongside. And the truth is we know less about them, mm-hmm. uh, because they're not loud and brash and complainy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the same is true in, in the world of you know, Christian celebrity or what have you, right? Way more people know, um, I can't even think of any examples, but there's, there's, you know, shouty types of people who get strong opinions. I mean, there are, uh, evangelicals in the state who align themselves with a certain political party, let's say, who have been very brash, probably on both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's what they're known for. Um, and then there are people, who who quietly go about their work and and do good things? Uh, Eugene Peterson comes to mind for me, um, who who's now of course gone, but um, just a saintly man who his his biography, which is in the book The Pastor, which is just about pastoring a suburban church for thirty years um, mm-hmm. 
and the struggle of that and, and how he was just present and loved people mm-hmm. and kind of fought for this middle ground. Um, and it's just beautiful. And it's a beautiful, anyone who's in ministry, yeah, just read the book. It's fantastic. So I'm going to assume that a lot of life in the extreme shows up in social media. Yep, that's true. <laughs> uh, so so let's say uh, I'm a person who looks at my social media feed and cringes a little bit and says, okay, here's some moments where I've kind of gone a little further. What what advice would you give to someone who was, you know, because I think there are positive ways to use social media. Absolutely. Uh, what are some examples that, you know, that could kind of, what, what advice would you give to someone who would be in that state where they would say, yeah, there's some places where probably I'm going a little too far or being a little on the extreme. You know, how can they still hold uh, views that are important, but also love people. So uh, I think one of the first things that you need to do is when somebody counters your point, listen graciously and agree with them where they're right. Mm-hmm. Because usually when someone counters with something, there's there's truth in it. You may not think it's enough truth to overcome your position, right? and that's fine. But so often we get into these huge wars uh, with people because it's, you know, you're completely wrong. I Okay, so I lived in Southern Alberta for a number of years, mm-hmm. and I lived in BC for a number of years. Um, so I have friends who would share a common faith, but seemingly in their positions on everything else probably wouldn't share much. And I see them often posting inflammatory things, things that are exaggerated, things that aren't well, particularly well-researched or well-balanced. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're going to engage with an issue, try to engage in a balanced way. Try to make sure you've checked your sources. Try to actually post from two different sources on opposing sides. And, and often what, what helps, I find, is instead of posting about your position, post about your struggle. So this is what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. Help me understand the other position better. Yeah. And if you can come from an attitude of, I want to learn here, it's social media. You're going to get people being obnoxious. But if you can even model interacting with them graciously, um, that can be really positive for people. It can show people there's a different way forward. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to ignore all politics. It doesn't mean you have to ignore all theology, right? You can still engage with these things, but ask more questions um, come with an attitude that's willing to learn, mm-hmm. not an attitude that wants to teach. I often, I've heard before, yeah, the, the idea that the smartest person in the room is the the one who's asking the most questions, yeah. and often they're in control of the room as well. Yeah. And I think that goes for social media, the, the virtual room as well, yeah. that Maybe asking not. questions can help. <laughs> Maybe not control in, no, on no, social no, media I hear, anymore. But, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, and, and that's great. Ask ask more questions. <laughs> how many, how many uh, you know, in a, in a line of... Of, you know, kind of responses that goes back and forth and back and forth. How many is too many? <laughs> you know, and <laughs> yeah, and and there are like again some of the people who I know who are so good at this um, will come to a point where they say, you know, you and I don't see eye to eye, and that's great. Thank you for the conversation. I'm going to bow out at this point. Um, and usually those are the friends who kind of sign off with grace and peace, which yeah. is great, right? Like yeah. just a good reminder. Like this is not. I'm not going to take this personally. I hope you don't take this personally. Thank you for teaching me something. Are there any places where the extremes are, um, you know, are actually moving towards the extremes or more appropriate? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. because we talked about this life in the middle. There are some things when it comes to our faith that we do need to push to the, to the extreme, at at least in the sense of, you know, kind of sacrifice or all these different things. So what, where, where is it appropriate? Um, that's a great question. I mean, you use uh, the idea of love. Yeah. I mean, love is certainly... Yeah, I, I think I think love is a really great uh, guider in this. Yeah. Um, I, I do think there are issues of theology uh, that can... 
that can divide us. And I think in some ways it's okay to say, you know, I'm, I, you and I don't see eye to eye on this. Yeah. I, I think it's really good to ask ourselves though, how many issues do you have that will divide you deeply? Mm. How, how, what are the things that means you couldn't stand beside someone and still worship Jesus with them? Um, are, is it, is it something like literal seven day creation? Is it view on homosexuality like and i i think we should all yeah, yeah. actually search the bible and, and find the truth in these is it the divinity of jesus is it the virgin birth is it um the yeah. is jonah a literal story right there's all of these questions and the more into academic theology you get the more people have opinions and there's nuance and there's there's great stuff um but i think again it's worth asking what is this worth uh, at what point is it worth dividing over people i, I think if, if people wanted us to as a church to say we no longer worship Jesus and think he's divine and didn't didn't perform miracles I would say no actually that's an issue that I believe in strong enough I think we as a church believe in strong enough that that you and I are on different pages and I figure out how I can love that person well yeah. um, while saying you know probably shouldn't be a member here if you're gonna <laughs> deny all of these core things that we believe um, but yeah it, it's it's tough it, it again the question is always how can I what what am I most passionate about and is there a person on the farthest extreme away from that position than me? And how can I love them? Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. really hard. <laughs> yeah, I like how you've you've put that. Um, I, I think this is a is a big one because I think that as followers of Jesus, we believe that there is a truth that is knowable and understandable. And, Absolutely. And so we have to um, at times be clear on what we believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I, I just love the way you presented it, reminding us that there are certain things that divide us that should not divide us. Mm -hmm. um, and you had a great example on Sunday when you kind of just off the top got, had the conversation going by just asking people these random questions about yep. what they preferred. And, um, and it's sort of a funny way to think about it. But I think our feelings in the moment when you started going into things that were a little more controversial, I, I think that is a good reminder to us uh, that we we sometimes live on the edges rather than recognizing mm -hmm. that middle ground. Yeah, and so I think that's very helpful. I appreciate that. Are, are there any other like final thoughts? Some things that you really want to um, share with us as you've been thinking about all of your preparation and and uh, and preaching this message on life in the middle. Yeah, I, I mean, again, um, I think it I think it all comes back down to love and loving everyone always, even if we deeply disagree with them. And loving everyone always doesn't mean that we have to agree, mm -hmm. um, but it does mean that we need to see ourselves in reality, which is that God is in control, that we are all sinners. If I see myself as better than a person who completely disagrees with me, I'm becoming self-righteous. Mm -hmm. I'm actually losing the ability to love them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think if you've been in the church for a while, that's gonna be the, the default tendency is to flip into self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. So we need to be constantly reminded that God is in control and that our, our being right matters less than like loving people well. Um, mm -hmm. and, and not that it doesn't matter, but like Jesus calls us all sinners and, and we're all wrong. Mm -hmm. on, on a bunch of stuff, right? And I may have slightly less wrong than you. I may not, um, but Jesus has loved me, so I'm called to love you. That's what's really clear. Mm. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, 
just a great message as we encourage, as we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, mm. pick up this book and read it all in one sitting. Yeah. It'll surprise you. It'll, it'll thrill you. <laughs> it'll challenge you. You know, it'll <laughs> scare it, you a, a lot. Bit. Yeah, it'll <laughs> scare you a lot, actually. Um, but there's a lot of good there. Uh, you know, we've been doing this postscript for a little while, and, and the goal behind this is really to take our message a little further. So what we talk about on Sunday, we want to have another conversation in a different way mm-hmm. uh, so that you can take what you've learned and take it further and farther. Um, uh, and so we just uh, really thank you for listening. And if you have any comments or questions, we definitely want you to, to send those along to us. Keep us uh, um, keep us informed. Keep the conversation going, yep. and and share what you're learning in these podcasts with other people. You know, point them to this as we move through it. Uh, this has been a lot of fun that we're going through these. And I want to thank you for another day. And yeah. um, we're going to uh, connect with you again next week.